0: Let's do it. Let's do it. Broadcasting from around the world. You're listening to The First 100. A podcast on how founders acquired their first 100 paying customers. Here's your host, Hadi Rodwan.
1: Good to have you on the show, Patrick. How are you doing today? Great, Hadi. Thanks for having me. Amazing. Patrick, thank you for joining the show. I'm going to give a quick introduction for our listeners. So Patrick Gannon is the founder of Blue Tape, which is a payment and financing platform specific for the construction industry. And Blue Tape has raised to date $55 million. Patrick, tell us how does Blue Tape work and why did you decide just to do a payment and financing platform for the construction industry?
2: Sure, my pleasure. So construction is a gigantic industry. It's over two trillion dollars in the US. And it faces enormous operational challenges that other industries don't face. In the U.S., there are over 3 million businesses in the construction industry with 10 or fewer employees. So they don't have lots of back office support. They tend to be people out in the field actually doing the construction work. As a result, a lot of payments are made by check. And by a lot, I mean 74% of payments are made by paper check. And this leads to an industry that has the longest day sales outstanding of any industry in the country, 83 days. We looked at that and came up with a solution that essentially automates AR and AP and brings that DSO down to one or less for material suppliers and for contractors.
1: Amazing. And just for the listeners who don't know the abbreviations, when we say day sales outstanding, which is DSO, is how long the bill is open before you collect from the customer. That's right.
2: Yeah. The industry norm for construction professionals is that someone will call in and place an order for, let's say, a truck of lumber that gets delivered along with an invoice and they pay it a while later.
1: Amazing. So tell us a little bit the background about your history. How did you come up with this idea? Were you in the construction industry or were you just an entrepreneur who found out that there's a pain point to be fixed?
2: Yes. So my co-founder and I got together and made this into a best of both worlds situation. So we had both launched successful companies before and a part of successful teams in startups He, in addition to being an entrepreneur, is a licensed general contractor in the U.S. And I've had a lot of construction projects that I've been a part of, generally the one writing checks for it. So I'm also a longtime fintech person. And when the two of us met, which was uh, over Zoom during the pandemic initially, introduced by a mutual acquaintance, we talked about things that we were interested in and We quickly settled on construction as being an industry that had lots of opportunity to inject some technology solutions. And when we looked at the numbers, the payments and financing piece stood out as an obvious pain point for all different kinds of businesses in the industry.
1: Amazing. When you've selected these particular features, did you do any market research to validate that I want to focus on these two things, and what was the customer's response?
2: Yes, so we did uh, quite a bit of market research, secondary research, of course, everybody can do a Google search, but getting out and talking with contractors that we know, suppliers that we know, and a few that we didn't, and verifying with them that offering credit and using credit was something that it wasn't done by everyone, and it led to this DSO of 83, as I was talking about. There was pretty much unanimous agreement on this, and I think the only part of the industry that didn't have it are some of the biggest players, you know, the Home Depots and so forth.
1: Got you. So the show is about your first 100 paying customers. What was your early acquisition strategies that you deployed to get your first customer?
2: Yeah. So, I, you know, I think... Everyone should know that it's one thing to look back at your first customer, who's successful customer, and say, "Ah, this was our strategy from the beginning." But the reality is, is you try a few things, and so we did what we thought would get the word out: place some Google ads, place some Facebook ads, and that did lead to some signups of people who are interested. Converting them to customers was a different matter, and what we eventually found is that by putting ourselves out in the industry, joining associations, going to trade shows, and literally knocking on doors of potential customers. That was the way that we actually got the attention of our first customers and our customers on an ongoing basis.
1: Is there any particular, you know, tactics that you've deployed to convince them, like, because at the beginning, your, your brand is not well known. And right. you're in an industry where the habit is not to, you know, use a software maybe. So what were the challenges there and how did you overcome them?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great point. The construction industry has a lot of companies in it that are over 100 years old. And many of them are family owned businesses. So they've had their way of doing things, which has worked very well until now. Thank you very much. And so trying to get their attention about, you know, look at this technology solution, you can't just send them a letter and expect them to sign up. So like I said, we went out and talked with suppliers. We talked with people at trade shows. We talked with industry experts and if you can believe it, construction influencers. And we gathered information about the pain points in the industry and we use that to hone what we were trying to bring to market
1: got you and then based on that how's your sales cadence early on was it based on you know the traditional uh, model where you have account executives business development and then sdrs or were you doing everything by yourself at the beginning
2: So at the very beginning, it was Yasser and I, along with a couple of other team members, everyone was in sales at the beginning and going to the shows, as I said, talking with people, conference calls, interviews, what have you. Eventually we did decide that having a sales team was going to be critical in this industry. And so we created a small sales team and made them essentially regionless and said, start dialing and start setting up meetings. And we had to iterate what we were doing specifically in sales a number of times until we got it right. But we're very happy with the sales team that we have today.
1: How do you manage the likelihood of hiring people that are not a fit, especially early on when, you know, you're cash strapped, you're starting, maybe you have bootstrapped the company yourself. How do you manage that risk of, you know, hiring not the right people and firing them and then hiring another set of team. And that one is cost prohibitive, but also it's time prohibitive because there's an opportunity cost.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's a real challenge because you want to be able to hire the best, but guess what? The best aren't necessarily interested in working for some dot-com company that they've never heard of before, right? So we had to reach out and get the best people that we could at the time, train them, learn along with them, learn from them. And then in several cases, we did end up having to move on from people who, you know, they weren't closing sales. And it's not that they were a terrible salesperson. It was that they weren't the right salesperson for this
1: particular role. So how do you set up targets for your salespeople? What's the framework that you follow?
2: Yeah, so without getting into too many specifics, we have a commission plan that we put forth. We have targets for each of the salespeople in terms of number of deals, payment volumes, and so forth. And then we have now a sales support team who has different targets around activation and usage that support those numbers as well.
1: Did you do any non-scalable acquisition strategy early on? Something that You've done once, but now because you're big enough, it's not scalable to keep on repeating. But it did land for you, maybe few customers.
2: So, you know, something that may not happen, call it a couple of years from now, is when you have the CEO showing up with the salesperson to some of the big leads. We'd love to be able to look people in the eye, shake their hand, and bring them on board. But at some point, when we go from hundreds of customers to tens of thousands, that's not necessarily going to scale. But the good news is is we're building a company that has a good common culture and good messaging around it so that what we're thinking about as co-founders is echoed through what comes out through the Salesforce.
1: Amazing. Thank you for sharing that, Patrick. What is a principle that you live by that has helped you, you know, grow your business?
2: You know, I think beyond actually talking to the customers, right? The inventor syndrome where you just make something and put it out there and hope someone buys it doesn't tend to work out. You have to really talk and adjust to what's happening in the market. I think the other thing that's really helped is having it make sense. Let me tell you what I mean. We're in an industry where there's a lot of moving parts, a lot of partners to actually bring this to the market. And we need to make sure that not only does our service provide something valuable to the customer, but that it makes money for us. It makes money for all of our partners. And so you could, if you get out the napkin and the crayon, you could come up with a not terribly sophisticated version of what we're doing in a different industry. But to get it right, you need to really understand the specifics of where the problem are and then see if you can make the economics work for that.
1: Amazing. Thank you for sharing this principle. If you were to be found with your competitor in the same room, what question would you ask them? I think what I would ask them
2: is, what do you bring to construction industry customers that you couldn't bring to a different industry's customers. In other words, what is the industry-specific value add?
1: Can you double-click on that? What's the context behind this question? What are you trying to achieve?
2: Yeah, so lending money is something that happens every day in many different contexts, right? Lending money specific to an industry allows you to again, develop something that addresses the particular needs of that industry. And what we've put together in our underwriting and our credit modeling allows us to use information that a general lender doesn't have access to and wouldn't really know how to take advantage of uh, without a lot of work, at least. And that allows us to make more credit offers to more businesses and allows us to manage our exposure to having all that credit out there in a more effective way.
1: Amazing. If you were to start everything from scratch, what are things you wouldn't do again?
2: (laughs) Well, I I wish I could tell you that everything had gone perfectly. Well, almost. But, you know, I think there have been advancements, even in the past couple of years since we got started, on the technology platforms that would have allowed us to do some things even faster. And I'm talking kind of fintech platforms. So we would have looked at a few different partnerships there to get to market faster. Beyond that, we, I wish we could have known what we know now about the, the customer use of our product and how we could have, instead of bringing that vanilla version to market initially, if we'd come to market with the version that um, we have out now, we would have been able to hit the ground running even faster. But I think that's the cost of bringing something new to market.
1: Makes a lot of sense. One last question. What's next for Blue Tape and Patrick?
2: Yeah. So as I said, construction is a huge industry. We have a lot of growing to do. We're looking forward to working with suppliers and contractors and even distributors and manufacturers uh, across the U.S., so we have a lot of work to do to get there, but we're ready. We're ready to scale and we're looking forward to
1: it. Amazing. Thank you for sharing all of this, Patrick. It was amazing having you. We wish you the best of luck. How can people reach you?
2: Yeah, if people would like to reach Blue Tape, you can check us out at bluetape.com. And if they want to reach me directly, they can email me at patrick at hmm.
1: Thank you very much, Patrick, and have a great evening. All right, Javi. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to The First 100. We hope it inspired you in your journey. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe to our podcast on Apple iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify, and share it with a friend starting their entrepreneurship journey. Leave us a five-star review. Your support will help spread our podcast to more viewers.